He moved his arm, I reply excitedly to the nurse, who enters the room I've virtually lived in the last few weeks. I thought there was something different about his breathing this morning, but that was all until he moved. Just now. Mr. Mason? She approaches the bed confidently, pulling a small flashlight from her pocket as she carefully peels back one of his eyelids. Before I got the news that he had been hurt badly and flown to Durango, I'd fought the feelings this man invoked in me tooth and nail. Successfully so, I thought, after having a few minor meltdowns when my resistance was low but coming out swinging. He'd retreated to his corner before stepping out of the ring completely in the last month. I ignored the pang of regret I felt every time he'd walk in the diner and would pointedly ignore me. So different from the entire time since we were first introduced. Oh, he'd put his foot in time and time again. It just seemed to be his way to say the wrong thing at the wrong moment, but it was obvious the guy was a complete loss when it came to talking with women. One sentence from his mouth was even more insulting than the next. Yet he remained incapable of reining in the politically incorrect verbiage flowing from his lips without benefit of a hefty filter. Almost endearingly clueless, which is what made, makes, him so dangerous. For all intents and purposes, Clint Mason was a decent man, a good man, who apparently never had the privilege of learning to communicate effectively with women. Real women, that is. I'm sure some might be charmed by his redneck approach, but the apparent lack of respect for women was all in the eye of the beholder, but not so much in his. The simple fact that he'd found himself a place in the group of friends that made up part of the regulars at Arlene's, Hell, even befriending Arlene after the major faux pas he made with her the first time they met, told me there was more under that southern veneer he was hiding behind. A dangerous man for me, unlike the smooth-talking losers I'd hooked my wagon to, from time to time, until finally giving up men altogether. Clint, in all his stumbling communications, as far from smooth with the ladies as possible, has proven himself a good, honest, and protective friend— to everyone but me. My doing entirely. I have simply not given him the chance. So, while I was telling myself to be relieved not to have to deal with his undesired attentions any longer, and erasing that one moment where his lips were close enough to taste from my mind, I was literally shocked into motion when learning he was en route to the hospital in critical condition. Tearing off my apron as I was running to the kitchen for my purse, Seb, cook, part owner, and husband to Arlene, tried to stop me. Nothing would have at that point, though, not even the sizable, tattooed, and very willful Seb. Shaking him off like a bug, I beelined it through the back door and to my junker of a car parked beside the dumpster. Praying for at least half a tank as I cranked the sputtering engine, I breathed in relief when the gauge showed only a quarter gone. Can't remember exactly how I got here, ignoring messages and texts noisily coming in on my cell on the way, but I got here. Then I lied through my teeth so I could come in to see him. With the family-only rule in place for critical patients, I morphed myself into his fiance. I almost snorted when I said it, from habit, I guess, but the nurse at the desk swallowed at hook, line, and sinker. At least I think so, because I was led to the intensive care unit waiting room right away. That's where I've been the past few weeks, holding vigil by this man's bed, holding his cold hand, reveling at its size much like the man himself, big, bulky, and rough-looking. 
cursing him for not waking up, for leaving us hanging. It's not like I was the only one trying, either. Every one of our friends had been here, talking, coaxing, and even pleading with him to wake up, but without results until now. 